All right. God save the queen, man. Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula, and we're going to be talking about the big stories that appeared this week on Paul Jacob's Common Sense with Paul Jacob, which you can find at thisiscommonsense.org. Five days a week, he writes a column every day. And then on the weekends, if all goes well, this podcast. Is all going well? I am in a really good mood. I don't know uh, what it is. Let's see. I was just thinking, uh, I felt like so good I got to play tennis today. And I ended up playing with two people. I was supposed to play with one person. There's this app and you can find people in your area, which is nice because I don't know anybody who plays tennis. And uh, so I I, uh, go to the court to meet him and he's running a few minutes late. And then somebody comes by and says, I'll be right there. And so, uh, and he, he looks sort of like the little picture on the, you know, on the app. And so I thought, okay, great, great. And and so then the guy who I had connected with drives up and, and comes and I said, well, there was another person who may come down and, you know, I'll just tell him, hey, it's a misunderstanding. We'll play. But we decided all three of us would play. Well, this means I have two new tennis buddies. So I'm going to be a healthier mentally and physically person i think in the future so i have that to look forward to um i hired someone new who i think is going to be fantastic uh that makes me feel really good and my kids took me out to dinner can't can't beat that and uh to a korean barbecue place where they cook the food right you know they heat up the wonderful meats and uh Anyway, it was very, very nice. So I am, uh, you know, breathing better. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. How is the world doing, Tim? Should, should, should that be another, another thing that'll just keep me charging? Well, I wouldn't say that the five subjects you covered this week, you know, are uniformly inspirational, um, but. Uh, you reacted to that video I showed you of uh, Joe Biden much more positively than I did. I thought it was weird and as all get out, and you thought it was what? Well, it looks like he was kind of, he finished his speech and he's looking for someone to tell him which way he's supposed to go. But they've, I mean, that that could be a sign of I don't know where I am or something, but I didn't see it that way as much as I could imagine being in the same position and and trying to think of seven things, and then they tell you, okay, after your speech, you're supposed to go this way or that way, and then finishing your speech and thinking, oh, that was good, and then, oh, wait, which way am I supposed to go after all? So, you know, I didn't. he has had much, much more embarrassing moments, and lots of them, and, and look, we all do, and it, it, you can have those when you're 12 or 24 or the problem with with Biden is there's a lot of them, and and it's it's not and and I think some days are better than other days and so on and so on. But they, you know this isn't uh, hey you know somebody who's doing some job that 
is is kind of of minor importance or not as great importance of, of some jobs. You know, if you're a brain surgeon and you're kind of having moments where you're not all there, that's a big problem. And if you're if you've got the you know the codes to the nuclear weapons and there are sometimes that you're not all there, that's a problem. I didn't see that video really showing that, I guess. So my question is, God save the queen? <laughs> that's what well, that, that could have been funny i mean it could have been I'm, oh i oh i think he was trying I'm to be pathological funny. i'm a pathological optimist and and uh uh my mother who passed away one year ago today uh i get that from her she was a pathological optimist and uh and and so i'm all you know i'm i'm always kind of thinking Thinking, no, surely, you know, it's like Washington. I've always said that I came to Washington. I thought, oh, I'm a very cynical person. And I soon realized that my cynicism couldn't possibly keep up with how awful uh, folks are in Washington. And uh, and I say folks, a lot of times I don't like to blame people at systems or, but there are, I mean, there are a lot of, and I've met some nice, good members of Congress who I respect but very few. And I've met tons who I don't respect even a smidgen. I mean, they're really, you know, they're, they're narcissistic, sociopathic type kind of people that are problematic in any position in life, much less uh, as the people's representatives. Well, I count five pieces on the on the docket for the week, we, it was a normal week. Five pieces. First was the Cuban yeah. Missive Crisis. I want to go reverse order this week. Okay, because I want to I want to do the Cuban Missile Crisis uh, last because there was some and and there were a couple pieces this week that I really think there was some nice discussion that I want to invite uh, listeners. If you're listening to this podcast, I hope you go to the website. There's oftentimes a lot of good comments on uh on these commentaries and we like to facilitate that sort of dialogue sometimes it's you know they're silly sophomoric stuff but you know such is life but for the most part very good good stuff friday's was guilty of claiming innocence and that was by a, about a detroit auto mechanic yes robert reeves and and basically it's the it's the old uh uh I wanted to say eminent domain, but uh, civil asset forfeiture where uh, police agencies want to steal your stuff and then make you pay to get it back. And this guy didn't think that was the way America is supposed to work. And guess what? It's not the way America is supposed to work. And so he he fights him and says, no, I'm you know, I'm I'm not going to do that. And so then they slap charges on him that go to court and the court you know, the judge looks at him and says, get this crap out of here. And so then he's trying to recover again and they slap more charges on him. And, uh, and I'll tell you, uh, Batman and Robin in our modern world, uh, are the folks at Institute for Justice and, and something we always like to remind people on, on this podcast is the fact that the Institute for Justice does a great job and saves tons of people from draconian policies that are applied in really 
vicious, mean, stupid, evil ways and illegal ways. Uh, that is wonderful. But we've got to stop these laws. We can't, you know, I think again and again, the, the problem we have is that our representatives don't represent us. And so, you know, the courts are are one of the best places to push for liberty because at least there's some judge and in the federal system, they're somewhat independent. It's like the one branch where, you know, it's kind of held together. We don't always agree. Look, I've lost as much as I've won in federal court, but I feel like the judges are independent. And uh, to, to a degree that, you know, the rest of the corrupt government is not. The executive branch is corrupt and look, the framers knew it would be. That's why they created the courts and, and Congress. But they expected Congress to be our guys, and they're not. And they're not because of these giant districts where money trumps. If we had small districts where people could know each other, it wouldn't be the same thing. Money couldn't play the role it wants to play now. And, and how do we get money out of the system for most people, especially folks on the left a lot of times? Oh, we need a new regulatory agency of people in Washington who are captured by every special interest possible to regulate us. And the more we get of that, the more we get billionaires who can play ball just great. And the rest of us who have trouble, we got to hire a lawyer and accountants and, and we got a fear for people coming after us if we're politically active and spend money. That is a recipe for disaster. And that's the way the media wants to go. The left wants to go the way to go. And a lot of people on the left see this. So this is a left, right, in the middle. Everybody ought to see it. The way to, to get money to where it doesn't matter is to have districts small enough that you can reach people without spending money. And if a, a district of 30,000 people you can you and your buddies can go walk it. So uh, that that's that is the biggest change we could make. Uh, it doesn't get talked about enough, but we're we're hoping at Liberty Initiative Fund and places like Citizens Rising, which is a new group, uh, that that people will hear more about it. Well, patience zero one two three was Thursdays. You want to go right back to that one then? Why not? Um, uh, as I told you uh, when we were putting this one to bed, um, I'm a little bit proud of our our work on the lab leak and this whole thing. And and uh, I think I think COVID. Uh, there are parts of it that I think were tough for me. You know, as you remember, we came into it with me saying. Um, we should be very forgiving and reasonable and patient with elected officials and and appointed officials and you know so on and uh and I was more patient than you anyway Tim uh but I shouldn't have been in the sense that boy that patience was not rewarded and we know Dr. Fauci covered up any possibility of a lab leak. And the, the reason's obvious because he, I'm itching my mosquito bites, um, because he knew darn good and well 
that he had flouted the whole idea that we weren't in America going to do gain-of-function research, and he sent money through an intermediary to the Wuhan lab, and he knew it was going to the Wuhan lab. That was no, that wasn't some. Oh, I didn't know. They knew darn good and well. Um, they don't even. They don't even pretend they didn't know. <laughs> they pretend a lot of stuff. And that lab, first of all, that lab had a military bio lab component. And we're not saying it was a bioweapon, but increasingly it looks like it was part of a bioweapon research. And what, what we talked about with patients one, uh, zero, one, two, three, is that three doctors who worked at the Wuhan Institute for Virology uh, were the first patients that had COVID. And this is something that, that, intelligence agencies are saying and the the question of course is how long have they known this and and think about this i'm mad at them because they ended up giving china a free pass for lying and covering up and doing everything that probably killed millions of people. Now, this would have gotten out anyway, but the way it got out, and China was <laughs> sending people on airplanes all over the world, um, that's, you know, that's just terrible. But of course, that's not why they covered it up. They covered it up because they were part Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, and maybe, maybe if everyone, you know, if we ever get to the bottom of this, the doctor will be crossed out. But, um, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say that blood is on anybody's hands because I, I think so many people who have said things like that about different people, you you don't know what would have happened. You don't, you know, I, I just hate that kind of over-dramatizing. But here is the head, Mr. Science in America, who, to, to hide his own culpability for, oops, here's a pandemic across the world killing millions, not only was part of it happening, but then lied about it and ran an operation to lock down people, to screw up schools for people, to, I mean, it was at every stage of this, he has been sanctimoniously dishonest, and it's largely his fault. There's a lot of forgiveness in this world, Dr. Fauci, but you need to ask for it because you're guilty. Did you want to talk about either of the two comments this week or just tell people to go there? On this one, I don't particularly, but but uh, there are some good comments. Uh, but on the next one, um, oh, and I'm, I'm skipping ahead. It's facing the dip with the seat. I don't want to go through the comments, but this is the one that people should go and read these comments because... Uh, Daniel Kean McKernan uh, knows a lot about economics, and uh, and Pat is uh, very smart and savvy 
I don't know how much, you know, I don't know her as well. And so I don't, I don't know what her education is, but I know from her comments uh, that, that the gig is up uh, in Washington as far as she's concerned. And so, uh, and I apologize for my, my voice starting to go. And of course, what this is all about is the trillion dollar coin, which is modern monetary theory the the idea that we can just spend whatever we want except let's put it in a very dishonest wrapper and this is the idea that the mint can can you know print a or or produce a platinum coin and say that it's worth a trillion dollars and so hey we've got a trillion dollars to spend uh, or to, you know, well, to spend, to, to, to go into debt with. And uh, this is, this does, this sort of thinking doesn't end well. And they're not going to do that yet. But that these sorts of things get floated. Um, and that we have numerous people in positions of power in Washington who want a system in which you don't you don't have any controls whatsoever and it it is silly these phony you know debt ceiling uh battles but the silliness isn't on the side that hey let them just go run wild the silliness is is that they're still running wild and they're playing this game like they're fighting it they're not fighting it in any real way and what's weird about this, of course, is that what they're really trying to do is find a way for the president to just solve the problem without having to bother with Congress. That's really the whole, it's a workaround. That's what that yes. thing is. But and, it, it, it's a workaround. Um, oh, because because basically, uh, now, of course, Congress could, would have full control over this if it wanted to. Well, Sure. But it, but it doesn't, and it would, and it would probably bitch and moan that the president's doing it and over overstepping his powers without ever bothering to legislate, just like that. That no, you can't do that. In this case, they could, Congress could, uh, allow uh, the president, that is the U.S. Mint to the Treasury, to uh, only coin, you know, precious metal coins rounds that dollar face value is lower than the metal value. They could say that. The law as commonly understood is that Congress in the late 90s authorized the president and the mint, the treasury, to freely coin platinum rounds with a dollar face value attached, but it could be any dollar face value, and the investment coins that they mint are simply then at a much lower value than the metal value. And the whole idea of the trillion dollar coin is to produce coins with this huge face value over the metal value, as you explained in your article. What amazed me during the Trump administration is how often Trump would say, I'm going to do something that sounded a little bit like, wow, that's way more power than I think the president's supposed to have. And everybody in Congress would, would on the Democratic side, would say, this is outrageous. And then you'd read into the story and find out, oh, Congress gave him that power. Congress gave the president that power. And, and they would bitch and moan about it and want him not to use it. 
but they wouldn't take it back. And so that's it's it's it, Congress is the most impotent branch of government on purpose. And it's supposed to be the first branch. That's the way the, the, the framers of the Constitution saw it. And part of the problem there is they just want to get reelected and it's easier. And it's having two parties makes it easy to make little victories against the other without really accomplishing much, without ever really doing <laughs> right. anything. And it's, so it's, it gives them a rather weird set of incentives. And in this case, for instance, a default isn't what people think it would need to be. There's always money coming into the federal government. They could pay off the most important creditors, right? So let's say that let's say that the uh, debt maintenance is the most important creditor. Well, they always say that we never default on our debts. Okay, then make that their first payment. And the second payment would be Social Security beneficiaries, if you really cared right. about Social Security. And the third payment would be, you know, basic government services at the federal level, but nothing else. You know, put, every, put everything else in mothballs for a while. You know, do whatever, you know, prioritize. But that's the one thing Congress doesn't want to do, right? Isn't that the no. nature of Congress exactly. now and the reason we're in this mess? Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of a weird situation. Uh, speaking of weird situations, we could go back to uh, Wednesday uh, after Anarchy Sue, because that is a rather weird situation, but in Seattle, not in, you know, the other Washington, you might say. This is uh, just classic, uh, <laughs> our world today. Molly, what is it? Uh, uh, Molly, Molly Moon. Molly, Molly Moon. Moon's ice cream is upset that they had to survive or barely survive in the chop area of Seattle, where basically the city government allowed a group of people to take over and have their own society within our country. It's uh, it, it wasn't like quite anarchy. It was a hostile government. A uh, bunch of thugs taking over parts of a city, and nobody seemed to want to do anything about that. I uh, unbelievable. But the interesting thing is, in suing the city of Seattle, you know, I think most of us would applaud. It's about time somebody said, "What the heck are you doing? Either do your job or let somebody else." They were all about how. They're not anti the BLM, Black Lives Matter folks who did the damage in that area. And certainly they said that's who they were. And Black Lives Matter didn't say, oh, no, that's not us. And so it's like, wait a second, you are mad at the city for not stopping the people you like from terrorizing you. I you know, there's a little Stockholm syndrome going on here. That's it exactly. That's a good. That's a good point. And, yeah. and that, I mean, that's a problem that that all leftists really have, right? Because when you use criminality as a part of protest, then they just find themselves incoherent. Except that it does tend to serve state power in in certain ways. So that's another way of looking at it. But in this case, I don't know what. And that certainty. I have a problem with some people who believe if you spray paint your slogan or smash a bench or or violate somebody's property that's okay. But here 
that's not even the argument. People were physically abused and hurt and and robbed. And so this is a this is a totally different thing. And if you can't step up and say robbing people and beating them up is wrong, I don't want you anywhere near government. I mean, that's that's kind of why we have government is to stop those things. And of course, that's what their suit is saying, except they can't. I mean, this is, you know, someone, someone, please, let's get some counselors over to Molly Moons right away. I do know that Daniel Kean McKiernan uh, did mention the fact that the government, the, the court system has already said there's no positive obligation of government to protect you at any given time, right? Uh, yes. And that's a good point, and it is apropos here, except that this does go beyond that, because this is not just right now they have to protect you. They gave up for several weeks right, on sovereignty, on everything. It was really an amazing moment uh, in, in American history, uh, and calling it insurrection isn't quite right, but conquest is kind of right. It's like they, they set up their own little little state right there for a little while. Right. A very badly run state in which they murdered people. At least one young man was murdered during the in, during the Seattle Chop situation. I thought there was a death, but I wasn't sure. One death is involved, and that's being sued for, too. Uh, and also, we should remember, that was imitated in that summer elsewhere in the country. Right, right. So that's an important thing to remember is that that was a contagion, a momentic contagion, where people decide, oh, let's do that. It's very interesting to see leftists also call themselves anarchists every now and then. We mentioned anarchy in there a yes. few times. And and I always like to urge you on to do that because anarchy is such an interesting concept. Uh, you know, we have anarchist friends, well, people who call themselves anarchists, but it's a very slippery little concept. And you had a great saying about that the other day. You said something about, uh, oh, uh, people yeah. who, there are people who don't call themselves anarchists or something. No, I think anarchy is a, anarchism is either a bad term for something good or a good term for something bad. That's it. That's and it. and uh, so I've always been iffy on uh, people who call themselves anarchists for that reason. And most of my friends are you know, call themselves anarchists, but they're not this kind of anarchist. I mean, they hate that kind of stuff. They're all right. for private property and the rule of law, right. which which is a different kettle of fish altogether, which is one reason I don't like the term. No. I have to admit, no. it's, 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 just, it's, it's, it's like when, calling yourself, I don't know, it would be like calling yourself a racist because you think the races exist. You're sending a message to nine out of 10 people Right. To think you're something different than you're saying you are. Yeah, and it's weird. It's weird. I like the term voluntarist, although I don't like the term, but I think it it sends the right message, but it's it's a long word and yeah. And uh, yeah. pro freedom, you know, seems easier to say. What an hey, idea. I wanted to talk about uh the Monday piece, the Cuban missive crisis. Uh great title by the way. My favorite title of the week. Yes, it is a very good title. Um, there were some very good comments. Uh, well, all all comments were good on this, but John Brennan went into some length, and I think put it in a very good. You know, I kind of told the story of what's happening, um, 
and that hopefully we can we can stop China from you know grabbing all our communications in the United States. And he made the point that we really need to you know get all these communications and and of course it's uh, there's uh, Julian Assange is in the in the news uh, at the end of this month. Uh, uh, you know, Edward Snowden will will have another birthday in the so in uh, in Russia instead of in the United States of America, and this idea of all the secrets we need to it'd be better if the people of the world knew a lot more of these secrets uh, instead of just worrying about stopping China from getting our government secrets. And and he makes a, a great point. He he says it better than I, I I gave it short shrift. But please go to the website and and uh, uh, he goes into some length and I think makes a very cogent argument. But I wanted to say something else about it. And and that is, you know, oftentimes when you point to what China's doing or what anybody's doing that's bad, it's like stop them. And. I I don't want China to have all of our secrets, even though if I thought they'd tell us, I, I might be more inclined. Um, so I, I do hope we can do all kinds of things to prevent that. The last thing we would want to do is to use any of the sort of belligerence that China uses against Taiwan 80 miles off its coast we don't want to use that same belligerence to Cuba, 90 miles off our coast. And that it is, it's all about hearts and minds. And at the end of the day, people really matter. Missiles and tanks and other things do too, but people matter. And not being full of it is a good way to keep people throughout the world on your side. And so we have to treat Cuba as a sovereign country that has the right to put stuff on its property and so on. Uh, anybody who knows anything about the Cuban Missile Crisis, and everyone thinks back about that and how close we were to war, but what happened to end the Cuban Missile Crisis is that the Russians pulled their missiles out of Cuba and... We pulled our missiles out of Turkey. That's what happened. So it wasn't we showed them and how could anyone put missiles close? <laughs> we were putting missiles in Turkey. So we want to obviously back down in every way. We don't have any designs on Cuba. And we would love it if they didn't have any designs on Taiwan or the South China Sea or other, you know, Bhutan or any other country in the world. And and so that's that's the issue. And and it's not it, it's worth knowing and being concerned that that they have the station in Cuba. But but don't let's not be stupid. Let's be very smart. Well, an admonition to be smart isn't a bad way to end an episode. <laughs> yes. Well, the only problem is our, our listeners don't need that admonition and our rulers aren't listening. But uh, but still, we're going to be smart and uh, we'll see everyone next week. Very good. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye. Bye.